0: Welcome to the Nova Church podcast. Thanks for taking the time to get into God's Word with us today. To find out more, you can head to NovaChurch.com. Say it's good to see you in church tonight. Fantastic. Hope you're sitting next to someone awesome. This guy right here. Love you. All right. I'm going to uh, head into a time of our service right now that we we call the message or the word, and basically what this is is it's us unpacking the Bible, and uh, who he loves the Bible? Who enjoys the Bible? Who knows the Bible is a good book? Two people, fantastic. It's okay, you don't, you know, it's all right. I'm I'm a fairly talkative person, which means you can talk right back at me. Who likes the Bible? Enjoys the Bible? Great. Glad is more than two people who like it. I think it's uh, a great book. Uh, I want to read to you tonight on, on Resurrection Sunday. And who's glad Jesus didn't stay dead, but he resurrected? Who's glad the story didn't end with him being held on that cross? But come on, he rose again three days later. On, Jordan's excited. Come on, man. He's excited. He's uh, excited. I'm going to read to you a story, a passage of Scripture, and you can actually read along here on the screen with me, uh, from Luke 24, verses 13 to 15. And it describes one of the resurrection encounters that two of Jesus' disciples had with Him. And uh, we've only got one screen, so I'm going to move this over here so everyone can see. Is that better? Okay. And this is what it says. It says, that very day, two of them, it's talking about followers of Jesus, we're going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Now, what are all these things that had happened? They were having a conversation, a discussion about the fact that their saviour, their, the one they were hoping was going to save the world, has just been killed and they're absolutely heartbroken and they're discussing uh, what's happened. It says this, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. And, they, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? I love how Jesus asks questions as if he doesn't know the answer. <laughs> you know, like he's God. He certainly knows what's going on. But it's a good question to ask it. What are you, what's going on with this conversation as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? They said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and were before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, and I want you to take notice of that line, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. You know what I love? This is just a little little Bible trivia for you. Do you know that women were the ones who discovered that Jesus was alive? And do you know why that's so significant? Because 2,000 years ago, women's testimony was not counted as legally viable in court. So the fact that the Bible records that women recorded, uh, encountered Jesus first actually attests to the fact that it happened. Because it was not in the disciples' benefit for them to write down that women discovered the tomb. But that's why it happened. How good's that? A little bit of trivia for you. Okay, Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying, but they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women said, but they, but they did not see. And he said to them, "Oh, foolish ones, a slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's towards evening and the day is now spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he vanished from their sight. This is what I want you to pay attention to. This is just such a beautiful Passage of scripture. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you right now for your word. And I thank you for the power that it has to change our lives for good. Jesus, I'm praying tonight that you would anoint this word, that you would, Lord, place your fire upon it. God, my words, as just an everyday man, have no power to change a life. But Jesus, when your spirit and your anointing comes on a word, anything can happen. So Jesus, we're praying that that is exactly what would take place right here, right now, tonight in our midst. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Is there any glass half full kind of people here? Who's who's like an eternal optimist? Put your hand up. Any optimists in the house? Yep, three people, four people. I'm glad there's like four of us in the room tonight. So does that make the rest of you pessimists? Who's a pessimist? Just one naturally. Naturally a little bit sceptical, pessimistic. Put your hand up. Of course you wouldn't put your hand up. You're sceptical about putting your hand up. So I, I am, uh, by nature, an optimist. In fact, Hannah says to me all the time, she's like, I just don't know how you could possibly see something good about this situation, you know? But I just, I just tend to see the good, and she tends to see the realistic. <laughs> and so somewhere in the middle, we kind of find a balance. Uh, we were away in Tasmania this week, and uh, my first time in Tasmania, formerly known as Van Diemen's Land. They definitely got an upgrade in name. Uh, so we were in Tasmania, and we were staying at this thing... Uh, called an eco-hut, right? Which is like up on this mountain, it's beautiful view. You're going, ooh, like it's, like it's good, and it was good, but there was some problems. Uh, so we were, we we're staying up on this this kind of eco-hut, it's got its own little power supply and everything, and as you know, it's, it's a really cute cute little place. And um, and there's this thing here called like a wood fire. Who's got a wood fire in their house? Like one that you stoke yourself, a couple of people. Uh, these things have got to be the most difficult. I think these things were invented as an act of cruelty to people who have no skills, because I literally, right, I literally, like, with all of my heart, was trying to get this, this wood fire going, and I just couldn't get it going. Now, my dad actually sells wood heaters, right, for a living, and he's tried to teach me my whole life how to light this thing, and I just have, it's still, just the genes just did not pass on. Dad will just go and touch the wood, and it will burst on fire, right? And so, so I'm trying to get this thing going. It's like, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but Tasmania is quite, you know, close to the South Pole, right? So it's cold, right? Who likes the cold weather? Who's grateful for the cold weather? Love the cold weather, right? Love it. Love jackets and jeans and jumpers and hoodies and all the good things, right? You can always put more clothes on when you're cold, but you can't always take more clothes off. So, you know, winter's better. Anyway, um, so, so, anyway uh, so I'm trying to get this fire going and... Uh, and I'm putting like more wood in, more wood in, more wood in, more wood into the heater. And, uh, and Hannah is like getting increasingly concerned about what's taking place because she's saying to me, she's like, Sam, I don't think... There's meant to be that much smoke coming out the heater. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's barely any smoke, you know? Like, there, there's there's but a puff of a candle whiff in here, you know? So, so I'm there trying to stoke this thing for like a good hour, and there's just more and more and more smoke coming out of this heater. And uh, and she's like, Sam, I just feel like it's really smoking here. I'm like, babe, it's not smoky at all, it's fine. Like it's like it's the fresh Tasmanian air, like we're up on the mountains, you know. We could bottle this air and sell it to South Australia, it's so clear, you know? And so, you know, my optimistic self is thinking every everything's fine and so this goes on for an hour while our whole cabin fills with smoke and um and because because it's an eco heart and and we also couldn't figure out the power there was no real lighting except for like this really dim little glowworm light on the roof and so we're trying to play like a game of you know and basically there was So much smoke in the room that my eyes started to like well up with tears. And Hannah's like, There's a lot of smoke in the room. I'm like, No, no, babe, it's fine. It's fine. Like, there's no smoke in here. It's good. Love it. You know, and she's like, Sam, your eyeballs are red. And it got to the point where we're playing, you know, and I can't distinguish the colors because my eyes are like so filled up with tears. And, uh, and it was basically evident that I am an optimist and that there was indeed probably enough smoke to cause significant harm to my lungs in the rooms. Just pray for me. And, uh, but, but here's the thing. I was kind of thinking about it. I, um, I, I couldn't deny, it in the end, the presence of the smoke because of the sensation in my eyes, right? <laughs> like, it got to a point where I could no longer say that, you know hey, there's no smoke in this room, Hannah, it's fine. Because, because there was a sensation that was occurring in my eyeballs, right, which involves singing and, and sweat and tears, uh, that I could not deny. A, se- a sensation in my eyes that I could not deny. I was thinking about this, and this, this really is exactly what happened with the disciples on the road. See, so it got to a point where they could no longer deny that Jesus was with them. right? But it wasn't because of some sensation that was happening in their eyes. It was actually to do with a sensation that was happening in their hearts. The Bible says that they experienced this feeling. I want to read this to you. Inside their heart, Luke 24, 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? So the distinguishing factor that they realised this was Jesus wasn't the depth of the theology he was teaching, although it was mind-blowing. It wasn't the fact that that, that he looked a certain way or sounded a certain way, there was one distinguishing factor that caused them to have their eyes open and to remember what it's like to be with Jesus. And it wasn't this sensation in their eyes, it was this sensation in their heart. It was this burning sensation on the inside of them. They're like, yeah, did it, did, hold on a minute, didn't we realise something when we were talking with that guy? Didn't our hearts feel like they were on fire? Oh, that's right, that's what it feels like to be with Jesus, it feels like your heart's on fire. Have you ever tried to like describe someone to someone else and you don't know their name? So <laughs> like, you know the guy with the wonky teeth, you know, or like, you know, the girl with the blonde hair. I heard someone describe me once as, you know, the guy with the hyena laugh, you know. <laughs> some people get that, some people don't. But but you describe them by a, a feature that is common in their presence. If you were to ask for disciples, how would you describe Jesus? They would say, Oh, oh, Jesus. He's the man who makes your heart feel like it's on fire. He's the man who, who when you're with him, there's a fire on the inside of your heart that is undeniable. And, And the disciples were having this experience and it was reminding them of what they had had the whole time. This word burned in the original language literally means to set on fire. For them being with Jesus, was like someone walking up to you and setting your hearts on fire. It was his most distinguishable feature. That when you were with him, there was a passion that would explode on the inside. And it's how they'd known him for their whole lives. It's how I believe every Christian, every person on this earth was destined to walk and destined to live with a heart on fire. The title of my message tonight is this Your heart can burn again. Your heart can burn again. We had a number of incidents happen in this eco hut <laughs> in Tasmania. Second of which was a near death experience in which I was trying to, uh, and none, none of this is made up, this has all legitimately happened this week in the space of a week. Uh, we were trying to cook some dinner, and, uh, and Hannah had lit the oven up, uh, you know, like it's like a gas oven, and, um, and we didn't realize, like, the the heat had gone out and we didn't realise that the gas was still running. There was actually like a gas leak in the oven. And so I went to flick like the igniter on the oven and then it exploded. Right? <laughs> it's funny now, it wasn't funny then. Uh, but it exploded and the whole door like came flung open and actually threw me back, right? And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have no eyebrows at church on Sunday night, right? <laughs> uh, which would be horrific for you all. Uh, or we could paint them on. I don't know, i get Kate to paint me some eyebrows or something. Um, And what I realised was essentially that there was a flammable substance that was exposed to a naked flame and it caused it to light. And it's exactly the same with the human heart. See, I I know and I believe that every human heart was made by God. That every heart on this earth, no matter whether you've been told you're an accident, no matter whether you've lived life like, like there's no purpose or no meaning, I believe that every heart is highly flammable to the presence of God. And that when you're with him, that when you encounter Jesus authentically, we have happened in our hearts what happened with that oven. It's an, an explosion on the inside. There is nothing more flammable than the human heart to the presence of God. That's why in the worship, when you hear his name, you start to feel a sensation in your heart. That's why when you hear a church tonight, because there's a a longing in your heart, that's why we gather together. That's why the church has gone from 12 men to billions upon billions of people all over the world, because there is inside of every human being a flammable nature to the presence of God. That when you're exposed, not to religion, not to rules, not to a book, but when you're exposed to the living Christ, the living God. Your heart was designed to catch fire. Come on with purpose and with passion and with power because we were designed to be with Him. It's how we were designed to live. Easter is not just about the avoidance of punishment through the cross. It's about the discovery of passion through the resurrection. Christians ought to be the most passionate people on the earth because we have encountered the one who sets hearts on fire. This is who he is, our, our living hope that we were singing about just a second ago. See, the disciples had almost forgotten what it was like to have a heart on fire. In fact, in Luke twenty-four twenty-one, it says, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. said, they stopped walking and they stood still, sad. Why? Because they had lost all sense of passion and purpose in their life. Why? Because their hope had been taken away from them And we've all had moments in life where hope's been taken from us. But imagine for a moment your hope being whipped in front of you. Your hope being dying slowly on a cross. Your hope being spat on. Your hope being mocked. Your hope dying to the applause and the delight of others. That is what had just happened to these men who were walking on the road. And just as these disciples said, we had hoped. We all have things in our lives that we had hoped. We had hoped that partner wouldn't have left us. We, we had hoped that we would have got that job. We had hoped that we would have passed that test. We would have hoped that, that our, our friends wouldn't have, have left us. We, we, we've hoped a whole bunch of things. We'd hoped that we'd have money to pay the mortgage or, or we'd hoped that that friend would stay by our side. We've all had hopes that, that have died before our eyes like the disciples. And the problem is, is, when one too many hopes in your life dies, it's like an extinguisher to the flames of passion in your heart. When hope gets taken away from you, it's like an extinguisher to passion. And, and you live your life without passion because you've had one too many hopes taken away from you. For some of you, like the disciples, it's been so long since you've felt the flames of passion in your heart. Because one too many hopes has been taken away. But this is what I love. Listen to me now. On the day on the road to Emmaus, for these disciples, everything changed. They encountered Jesus alive from the dead and a passion that had been restrained to a memory was revived in a moment. And I believe for everyone who encounters the risen Christ, that passion that's been restrained to a memory can come alive again in a moment because hope is in his nature and passion is in his nature and power is in his nature. And just as their hope was revived, I believe yours can be too. That is why we walk with Jesus. That is why we sing. He is our living hope. Because passion was never meant to be restrained to a memory. It was meant to be alive in every moment and every season of your life. And the only way that's possible, come on, is through encountering the risen and resurrected Saviour, Jesus Christ. I just want to tell someone today. That your heart can burn again. You might have lost hope, your heart can burn again. You might have walked through loss, your heart can burn again. You might have been defeated, your heart can burn again. You might have been rejected, your heart can burn again. As the disciples' hearts learn how to burn again, I speak and declare over every person in this room and atmosphere tonight your heart can burn again. Your heart can burn again. Huh. I am. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever attended a children's birthday party. I assume you have because you were all children at one point. They're pretty cute. And, uh, and there's, this, there's this really kind of cruel trick that parents do to children. And they're called like trick candles. Have you ever seen them? So, so a trick candle is where it looks like a normal birthday candle. And the poor little kid is like there and he's like getting all of his lungs powered up because he doesn't want to look like he's got 10 girlfriends. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so the poor little kid's there, like, like he's, he's getting pumped up, ready to blow out, but he's candle. Kind of, <laughs> you know, and he's lining them up, like, <laughs> lining them up, pinpoint accuracy. You're my candle tonight. You ready? No, <laughs> I'm joking, <trying>, I'm Or <laughs> well, maybe I should. I don't know. Let's, Sean's hair is my candle tonight. Okay, ready? He's like, you yeah, know, they're, they're up all the. <laughs> Oh, I was spitting on people, sorry. I'm just so sorry. I'm pretty sure I hit Natalie on the end there so far. So so it's like, you know, they're like they're building up the, the strength and they go to blow the candle out, they're like, you know they, they go to blow the candle out. It moves so well. I and mean, they try again, you know. And 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 we try and blow the candle out, and then everyone starts laughing because they all know they trick candles if so they don't blow out. And everyone's like, ha, 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 ha. "It's so cute!" Man, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, sorry, <laughs> trying to blow this little candle out—it's not the cruelest thing ever, you know. I was thinking about this. I was thinking, this is exactly what happens when you believe in the resurrection. The first thing is, it's your birthday. You're born again. The first thing the Bible says when you believe in the resurrection of Jesus is it's your birthday. You're born again. How does that work? Your life was exchanged for Jesus on the cross. Your criminal record. Some of you like, I don't have a criminal record. There's a, there's a spiritual criminal record of every wrong ever done. You're like, man, that sounds pretty intense. It is intense. Do you know why? Because God is holy. He is perfect. He is just. And he cannot let wrong go unpunished. It's not popular to preach about. It's not popular to talk about. But our God is a just God. And everything that's ever been wronged to you or you have wronged to others or wronged to heaven is down. It's down in heaven. The Bible says on the cross, through faith in Him, our criminal record is wiped. Why? Because God isn't just just. He is love. And His justice caused Him to punish sin. But His love caused Him to step in for that punishment and take it upon Himself. And the Bible says that when you believe in what Jesus did on the cross, you believe that he died for your sin and was raised again, it's your birthday. But here's the amazing thing. Easter isn't just about Jesus dying for your sin. It's about resurrection. So it's not just your birthday. You get trick candles. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, let me explain it to you. You see, here's the thing. It's not just your birthday, you get trick candles. See, when the disciples' hearts caught fire with passion at the resurrection, nothing could extinguish the flame. Nothing could extinguish the flame. See, passion that comes from encountering a resurrected Jesus is the kind of passion that sets hearts on fire to such a degree that they cannot be extinguished. Listen to me now, every other passion, every other hope in your life can be extinguished when that thing goes. Resurrection passion and resurrection fire is like no other passion and no other fire on the earth because it cannot be extinguished. Happy birthday, you got trick candles. Some of you are like, what what, what are you talking about? Well, Well, let me prove it to you. Is this all well and good to have? I'm going to admit it, I'm a young man, I'm 27 years old. I'm not young to some of you, but I'm reasonably young. Some of you are like, you haven't had enough life experience yet. You know what, I would agree with you. But I don't have to preach this from a place of not having lived a full life yet. I can live this from reading the scripture and knowing the life that these men lived. I know that they had an an unextinguishable passion. And here's how. Peter and Paul, two of Jesus' followers, were martyred in Rome. Paul was beheaded and Peter was crucified upside down at his request because he did not feel worthy to die in the same manner as his Lord. Andrew was crucified in Greece. Thomas was killed in India through four spears stabbing him. Philip was put to death in Asia. Matthew was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was killed in Ethiopia. James was clubbed to death in Syria. Simon Vizella was killed in Persia and was killed after refusing to worship another god. Matthias was burned alive in Syria. And John was thrown into boiling oil, survived, and left on an island to die by himself. These aren't recorded in the Bible. These are recorded in history. And by the way, they are the same thing. What would have to happen to you to be willing to be thrown into oil, set on fire? I know this is heavy. Clubbed to death, crucified upside down. I mean, I, I just, just stop for a minute like, and think about this. I think you need to have more faith to believe that these men didn't encounter a risen Christ and were willing to do, for, do that for what they knew was a lie than to believe that they did encounter him. I believe the only possible explanation for what they were willing to go through is that they met Jesus on the road to Emmaus that day and he set a fire in their heart that was inextinguishable from the things and the problems and the pain and the suffering of this world. It is the only explanation. It is the only explanation. They discovered a passion that could not be extinguished. Here's the thing. If the world didn't light the fire in your heart, the world can't put out the fire in your heart. See, if your fire is lit by the world, it can be extinguished by the world. But if the fire is lit by something beyond this world and beyond this life and beyond your experience, then it doesn't matter what happens in life and what you walk through. There is a fire that cannot be extinguished. Come on, deep down on the inside of you. And this is why we read crazy scriptures like this. Read this to me, 1 Peter 4, 12 to 14. Let's put this up. This is a disciple's talking. but don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice as you share Christ's suffering. How can you write something like that? That doesn't make any sense unless you have encountered something more powerful than suffering, something more compelling than anything that the world could throw at you. See, without a resurrection, you have a passion that can be blown out. But with the resurrection, you have a passion that nothing in this world can blow out. It's your birthday, but you've got trick candles. Problems come to you, but when you met the resurrected Saviour, it can't blow out the flame. Rejection comes to you, but when you've met the resurrected Saviour, it can't blow out the flame. People leave you, but when you've met the resurrected Saviour, it can't blow out the flame. It's your birthday. You've got trick candles. And can I tell you, when you know Christ, your heart can burn again. And I speak to you tonight. If you feel like you're in a place where there's no fire in your heart, there is one way to get the fire going. It is to meet and it is to encounter the resurrected Lord, the resurrected Saviour, the resurrected Jesus, come on, who is alive and living today, who gives you a fire inside of your heart that the world cannot extinguish. Come on, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask my, uh, my brother to join me on the keyboard, and I'm going to wrap this sermon up in just a minute. Whoa, that was loud. Um, we're a church plant, if you didn't realise that. Um, you might have caught on, maybe. Um, and some of you are like, 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 it's, it's, it's not, like it's great, I get it, I get it. Jesus is alive, that's, that's awesome, but but how does that really affect me anyway? Like, like what, is it, what does it even mean for me today For Jesus is alive? How, how does that change anything? See, see, here's the thing. If the resurrection didn't happen, this is the reality. If the resurrection didn't happen, this life is all there is. Think about that. If there's no resurrection, what you have right now is all there is. Resurrection means eternity is real and your life and your losses are not all there is. See, without the resurrection, this life is the whole story. With the resurrection, it becomes chapter one. See, see if there's no resurrection and you lose, the story of your life is lost. If there's no resurrection and you experience pain, the story of your life is pain. But if Jesus rose from the dead, And if what He promised for His followers is true is that we will rise too, it means that chapter one might be filled with pain and chapter one might be filled with struggle and chapter one might be filled with loss and chapter one might be filled with depression and chapter one might be filled with struggle. But there's not the end of the story, there's chapter two. That our life in the glimpse of eternity is just a breath, the Bible says. But chapter two, Jesus promises... He makes everything right. There is joy forevermore. There is life, life, and more life and i just going not tell you today that your life is not all there is there is chapter 1 but can I tell you there is a chapter 2 coming and how do I know it? because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead on the third day and if He can conquer sin and death and promises to do the same for us then I'm in I'm in for chapter 2 how did they face the suffering how did they walk with those trick candles on their heart they did it because they knew that this is just chapter 1 they're like beat me flog me whip me kill me reject me tell me i'm wrong it doesn't matter because i saw him with my own eyes and i know he lives <laughs> christianity is not just about the avoidance of punishment, it is about the discovery of true passion. You were meant to live your life with passion, there was meant to be a fire on the inside of you that was absolutely inextinguishable, and it only comes through knowing Him. So, know. on. Some of you here tonight, you're like, yeah, it's awesome. I'm here. I'm doing my, my, my Christian thing once a year or, or whatever it is for you tonight to be here at Easter. Some of you are like, you know, like, I'm not even really looking for Jesus. I'm not really looking for passion. I'm not really looking for resurrection. I'm not really looking for purpose. I'm not really looking for those things. Do you know what I love about this story? These guys weren't either. See, see the Bible says, find your passion. But what we learn on the road to Emmaus is that passion can find you. Jesus found them. They didn't find Jesus. You know, I'm not looking for resurrection. What we learn on the road to Emmaus is you don't have to be looking for resurrection for resurrection to come looking for you. <laughs> they weren't walking on that road looking for passion. What we find on that road is a passion came looking for them a purpose came looking for them a new life came looking for them and a hope that could not be extinguished came looking for them. I just want to tell you tonight, I believe every person is here by the divine providence and the divine planning of God. I love our little church here in this little warehouse. And this is what I know, is that whoever you are and wherever you're from, passion has found you tonight. Thanks for joining us on the Nova Church podcast. We hope this message impacted you in a powerful way. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe or you can head to NovaChurch.com for more.